Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 212. You don't have to maybe go out and, and buy something that, that all the cool kids have. You can make it. You can dream it, and you can make it, and you can learn how to do it on your own. And there's lots of resources out there, and there are lots of ways out there for one person to be able to, to achieve uh, something that, that most people can only dream of. But it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Rob Ida. Rob, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Mark, I am buckled up and ready to go. All right. Great to have you here. Rob Ida owns Rob Ida Concepts in Morganville, New Jersey. His family history and involvement around cars goes all the way back to his grandfather, Joe Ida, who opened a Tucker dealership in Brooklyn, New York. His father, Bob, was a hot rod and race car builder. And today, Rob and his talented team can build you the car of your dreams. And he's a national award-winning custom car designer and builder as well. They provide full design and creation of -of one-of-a-kind vehicles, modified automobiles, and customs. They specialize in American cars from the 30s to the 70s, and their current project, which I hope we learn a little more about today, is the Tucker Torpedo, a car that was never really built by Preston Tucker, but was something that was designed way back when. Rob, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your business, and your interests and passion for automobiles. Sure, Mark. Um, and I guess, really, I need to start with the very beginning. And it, it goes beyond just my life and, and where I started in this thing, because this isn't really a job for me. This is a lifestyle. Awesome. And, and that has come along from three generations. Uh, you have to understand, my grandfather really started this whole thing. Back in 1947, uh, Joe Ida, my grandfather, opens up a... Uh, a magazine, and he sees a rendering of the Tucker Torpedo. And right away, it captures his imagination. He looks at that, and he says, what is this? This is like nothing I've ever seen before, <laughs> yeah. but something I need to be a part of. And he realizes that, that he's looking at a car 
that's air-cooled, a rear engine with um, four-wheel independent suspension and steerable fenders and center drive, all these things that he's never even imagined could go into a car, although he's heard of some of these elements from the aircraft industry, but now he sees them in a car. So right away he decides, what do I have to do to get involved in this thing? So he reaches out to Preston Tucker and buys a spot as a dealership in New York City. Wow, talk about getting involved. I mean, he went in feet first, right? Oh, absolutely. He dove right in. He knew exactly that he wanted to be committed to this thing. Awesome. So um, so he goes in and, and he buys the dealership and uh, opens it up. And officially they were in business for only three days. And he was able to write 130 orders for Tucker cars in that three-day period. Oh, my gosh. And that, yeah, that shows the amount of enthusiasm that the people had for this car. Wow. Well, unfortunately, Preston Tucker was then... Uh, put through some challenging legal... Oh, gosh, to say the least, yes. (laughs) Yes, with the SEC, and, of course, he was acquitted of all charges, but in the end he lost his company, and and with a lot of people also lost credibility. But not with my grandfather. My grandfather believed in Preston Tucker, he believed in the car, Mm -hmm. and he felt that that Preston Tucker was a victim... Of, uh, of of being bullied in, in the in the uh, business world, yeah. and um, so anyway, the, as the story goes, he closes up the dealership and he goes back to what he was doing uh, before that, and he had some repair shop in uh, Brooklyn, New York. So in that repair shop, he is fixing cars and and he's also building and renting out trailers, kind of like a U-Haul would be uh, now. Uh-huh. And with that, my father then partners up with him. And in addition to uh, repairing cars, my father uses the, those those resources to build hot rods and race cars. Cool. And and yeah, and quickly he he built a name for himself, and he built some winning race cars and uh, and and a good reputation for being innovative uh-huh. and talented. And uh, so as that mo- moves on, he decides to grow out of that little repair shop, and he moved to New Jersey where he could have a little more space and uh, and and get more equipment and and basically expand on the things that he likes to do. So as he does that, and, and like I said, this is a lifestyle, so he raises me to uh, be his right-hand man. So together <laughs> we're, we're working on hot rods and interesting cars, and as the uh, passion grows, so does, so does the uh, abilities, and um, we then start building pretty elaborate custom cars, and with that, developing more uh, more abilities, getting more equipment. And before you knew it, we were able then to actually take on a project of building a car completely from scratch. And the most natural thing to do at that point is build my grandfather, and at this time he was in his 80s, uh-huh. to build him the Tucker that he never got to own. Oh, my gosh. He had a few Tuckers roll through his dealership, but he never got to own one. He did go to the, to the auction when the government auctioned off all of the Tucker assets, he went out to Chicago hoping that maybe he'd be able to buy a car, but he didn't have quite enough money left over from the, the loss that he took in the dealership mm-hmm. and wasn't able to get one. So really, he just spent decades talking about the car and how he wished that he had one, and um, and he looked at that as the one shining moment in his life that he really felt like that could have been a turning point, not only for him, but maybe for the future of the family, too. Yeah. And he thought that it, it would have really taken off and, and uh, maybe he would have had... Uh, lots of dealerships at that point, and um, and things could have been much different for the family. But 
as we know from the from the Tucker story, that's just not the way it went. Right. So my father and I, then we, we take our abilities here and all the resources that we have, and we built him a handmade version of a modern Tucker. And uh, what we wanted to do was give him something that he can actually drive and use mm-hmm. and if you were to buy an original Tucker, that's a great a great thing to own. It's an excellent um, it's an excellent thing to invest money in. But is it really something that you would take down the highway uh, safely and, and reliably, right. um, and and put at risk? So we figured the best thing to do, and, and the thing that we were able to do, was make him a car, wow. a modern version of that. So that's what we did. The unfortunate part of this story is that as we were finishing that car mm-hmm. he um he was living down in florida and he was waiting for the for the cold weather to pass and then he was going to come up and finally take delivery of his new tucker and um he he passed on before oh. he was able to make the trip back oh, up no. here mm. yeah yeah uh, so that was a not the ending that we were looking for right but um we did use the car in his funeral and uh he was he was buried here in new york mm-hmm. so we we do feel like in some way he did get the car just not the way we imagined that, right. that he would wow what a story a just wonderful legacy wonderful story it's so fa- so fantastic and i think we're going to learn a little bit later in our talk here about the torpedo but as we continue on your journey i always like to ask my guests for a success quote and this is a saying that's been instrumental in your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Rob, take the wheel. Well, I don't know that I could really point it toward any particular quote, but I could certainly point my, uh, my drive toward things that I've, I've witnessed. And when, when I see people like, like Preston Tucker and people like my grandfather that are willing to, to try hard to move on to the next step, to always reach for the for something that is just just about out of reach. Mm-hmm. I think that's what moves me. And and like like I said, this is a lifestyle. This isn't this isn't a job. And that is the thing that always makes us move. And that's how we get from 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 modifying a, a car, making a hot rod out of something, to making a, our own car. Because the next thing that you do, it's, it just needs to be better than the last thing that you did. Right. And so when I when I when I look back and I, and I see the things that Preston Tucker did, and he was always pushing forward. Um, of course, he took major steps. I'd like <laughs> to take uh, smaller steps, but still always always reaching for for, for the next bar, for for the next rung. So I think that I'm I'm really inspired by those stories and the people who who um, maybe just went a little further than, than, uh, than their comfort zone. They just went a little beyond that. And, and that's what, what makes me, that's what moves me. Absolutely. It's wonderful. The guest that went live today on Cars Yeah is Vic Elfert, who's a racing legend, of course, and the only guy to drive all the Porsche 917 models. And his success quote talked about shoot for the moon, aim for the moon. And uh, he had very much the same mentality that you have and that, uh, Go the, for that next rung. Go higher. Be positive and so forth. And, in fact, tomorrow's blog for Cars Yeah is going to be talking about uh, racing to the moon. So would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? You grew up in a car family, so it probably is in your DNA somewhere. But is there a pivotal moment when you recall that you really knew you were a car guy? Yes, I know exactly the day that happened. <laughs> and uh, this is funny because when, when I was around seven years old, six and seven years old. My father was kind of taking a little bit of a break from, from racing and, and hot rods. And his hobby at that time, because he moved from New York to New Jersey, mm-hmm. was uh, horses. Because now he finally had land where he can have horses and, and, 
and he got into rodeoing and he got into um, to, to that that kind of a lifestyle at that time. So he we weren't really doing any hot rod stuff together when I was young. One day I find his scrapbook and I open the scrapbook up and I see his race cars, and one in particular, the Hemi Healy which is just the wildest-looking race car from the 60s. It's a, it's a gasser, mm-hmm. Austin Healey with a blown Hemi sticking out of it. An Austin Healey with a blown Hemi? Oh, my gosh. Yes, yeah, yeah, the <laughs> Hemi Healey. Wow. So I open up the book. The second I see that, I don't want to hear about horses anymore. I, I, right then and there, that was it made it. me a car guy. Oh, Absolutely. my gosh. Absolutely, that, that was it. So the, the very cool part about that is that... He, he scrapped that car before I was born. It, was, it did a, a straight-up wheel stand at the NHRA Indy uh, Nationals. It did a straight-up wheel stand, and when it came down, it bent the car in half. Oh. So he came back back home, stripped, stripped it of all the go-fast parts, uh-huh. took it to the local scrapyard, and it was just a, hit, a, a memory at that point. Yeah. So then when, when, I, when I found that picture, that car was gone already by, you know, 10 years. So I just have always wanted that car. Well, yeah. two years ago... I get an email from John Tucker, who was Preston Tucker's uh, grandson. Mm-hmm. I get an email with a, with a link to an eBay ad for a car in Indy, and the, and, and, the, and the email says, look at this car. It looks like a Hemi Healy. So I open up the link, and I said, well, you know, it can't be because he scrapped that car, and it's, it's gone. Yeah. So I open it up, and it looks just like the Hemi Healy. It's, oh, it's my gosh. Just, it's just black primer. It's stripped of all the go-fast parts. But you can tell the way it's cut and the way it's modified that it looks just so much like it. Uh-huh. So I said, well, whether it's hit or not, I'm, I'm buying this because it looks just <laughs> enough like it where I would make a recreation of the Hemi Healy if it's not it. So I um, bought the car as a surprise for my father, and we get the car shipped in, in here. And as he sees it, he realizes this is the Hemi Healy. No this way. Is something that looks like it. Yeah. This is the Hemi Healy. So it's it's kind of ironic that it's the Tucker family that helped us relive that memory. Oh my gosh! As we, yeah, as we help them relive the memory of their of their grandfather. That work. is incredible. Yeah. So we wow. just did a, a full restoration of the Hemi Healy, finished it exactly the way it was back in 1970, or or, or 69 back in uh, 1969 when he ran it like that. Uh-huh. Uh, it looks just the way it did. We did a very accurate restoration. Wow. And, um, and we, uh, we finished it for his uh, 70th birthday. Oh, how cool. Mm-hmm. Is, that, mm-hmm. is a picture of that car on your website? Uh, it is. Yes. Okay, it's on okay website. great. All right. It's also well, on our Facebook. Everybody's got to go check that one out. That, that is such a great story. Rob, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and, as I say, get our hands a little dirty, something you're not afraid of doing. Would you share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you face in your career? But the most important part of this has to do with what you learned from it, how you overcame it. Well, uh, yes, I, I was definitely faced with something back in 1999 when we first built that Tucker for my grandfather. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Tucker community, I think, maybe didn't know what to expect. And I, I wouldn't say that they were threatened by what we were doing, but they were very protective over the Tucker brand. Sure. And so we definitely faced quite a bit of resistance when, when, we, when we got the word out that we were going to recreate the Tucker. Oh. And um, now we didn't want to build it and sell it as a kit car or anything like that. We didn't want to hurt the, the mystique of the Tucker. We didn't, we didn't really want to 
um, you know, flood a market with something that was that takes the exclusivity away from from the Tucker brand. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to have a car that was built in the same spirit as what Tucker had in mind. So we we retained like the rear engine and the center headlight and and all the cool things that that Preston Tucker had in his car. Uh, but we wanted to do it in a way that um, looked like our own. Mm-hmm. And and when I say that it, it looks like our own, it's not a direct copy. Uh, you can tell the difference between an Ida Tucker and an original Tucker, and I'm not saying by quality or or um, maybe uh, maybe a, a misshapen body. The the body is very very accurate. Mm-hmm. The, the shape of the body is accurate. But we finished the car in a way that it has a bit of a, a modern twist to it, like a lowered stance and and, and hot rod style wheels. We, uh, we we present the car so that when you look at it, you know exactly what it is and it has a look of its own. And in the beginning, that was, that was difficult. People, uh, people gave us some resistance about that. Yes. And we heard a lot of negative comments in the beginning. But it, it, didn't, it didn't change what we were doing, and it didn't change how we were approaching it. And I think people then started to gain confidence that we're doing this with integrity and that we're doing this for the right reasons, and we're not just trying to get uh, rich off something because... Hey, if we wanted to sell fiberglass bodies of these cars and make kit cars, we certainly could do that. We could make a lot more money than than building them one at a time. Right. But that's not what motivates us. We're not motivated by money. If we were, we would be we'd be doing something else. But we're <laughs> we're motivated by the love of the car and the and the history and everything that that took place between my family and and the Tucker family. That's so that's great. really what motivates us. So yeah, we never we never backed down. We never changed our ways. Uh, we stood the course, and um, and you know that goes back from the '90s that we're when we first did this thing, and sure. uh, we're still doing it today with with the same intentions. Very cool. Reminds me of that Tom Petty song, "Don't Back Down." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Great. Never back down. There you go. Never back down. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story when you had a real aha moment in your business and your career. It was one of those times when you realized that an idea had a lot of merit. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. It's such a slow evolution. I mean, everything that we do here is a slow evolution. Nothing, nothing changes abruptly. Um, you couldn't say that we started at any particular time because one generation blends into the one before, into the one before that. So everything is just slow moving, um, but always, always in, the, in, in, in the same direction. So uh, was there an aha moment of anything that changed abruptly? I would say finding, yes, yes, finding customers, finding people, and I shouldn't even call them customers, really, finding people <laughs> that believe in what we do mm-hmm. and, that make, and, and, and make this work possible. And, yes, there are times that, um, that I, I can look back and say that we were maybe doing the wrong projects for the wrong people, and, and we've then figured out that, what we do isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. There's a, something unique that goes on here in the shop, and yeah. it takes a unique person uh, to be able to see it through. And, and, and that means that these cars aren't done quickly, and they're not by any means inexpensive. Sure. They, they get quite expensive, and, and, and they take a long time. So, yes, there, there, there is a time when I could look back and say that we did change courses on the people that we work for. We, we, we identify the clients differently now. Right. I think that's great. That's so important in so many businesses is knowing who your client base is, no matter what your business, and focusing on who those folks are, because they'll certainly help bring you along. I think that's great. 
How about proudest moments? I assume you've had many, but is there one in particular you could share with us? One of the proudest moments. Yes, I, I could say this. We, when we built a, a Tucker uh, 48 for, for one of our close friends and, and clients, he has a, a tremendous car collection. He has about 30 of, of just a, the most beautiful cars. I mean, his collection um, is hardly rivaled by any. And uh, this is a guy that really loves cars for the right reasons. He's a true car guy, and he has the ability to purchase just about any car that, that, that he wants. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we built him one of our Tuckers, and uh, and we did that because he's the right guy for that type of car. Mm-hmm. And um, then he came to us one day, and he said, you know, all these cars I've had, that Tucker that you built me 10 years ago has brought me more joy than any car that I've ever owned. Oh, my gosh. And Yeah, and with that, he said, now I would like you to build me the Tucker Torpedo, the car that Preston Tucker dreamed of but was never actually able to build. Oh, wow. Let's do that for the very first time. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, we're going to talk about current projects in a minute. I can't wait to hear about that one. But let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory that you have about that vehicle. When I was nine years old, my father, he he knew some people that, that had a 1965 Pontiac Le Mans and they said, if you can come and get the car, you can have it. We just need to get it off the property mm-hmm. and um, take it away. So we picked up the car, and it was, uh, it was in nice condition. The engine was apart. The engine uh, block was in the car. The crankshaft, the bottom end was together and in the car, but the heads and everything up top was in the trunk. So um, my father said, you know, you can have this car, but you have to put it together, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll tell you what to do, but you have to do the work. Cool. So I said, well, that, well, that's perfect. I said, because, you know, if we're going to do this, I, I want to be able to actually do the work. Yeah. So um, every day at dinner time, we, you know, we would talk about what, what the next step was for, for tomorrow morning, you know, in the summertime. Yeah. Um, while I'm out of school, I'd go out there early in the morning and start working. And uh, so every day he would tell me what to do next, and I'd go out there and do it. And I think the only thing I really needed help with was I, I couldn't lift the cylinder heads. So um, <laughs> he lifted them for me and dropped them on the block. But beyond that, I, I was able to take his direction and put the engine together and make the car start up and run and then drive, and then I went on to, to paint it. And I was really proud of it. And, um, and I was able to, to actually sell the car when I was 11 years old uh, someone came and, and, and purchased it from oh, me. Oh, cool. And yeah, yeah. So then I, I, took, I took a little bit of money that that, that gave me and, and um, moved it on to another project. So uh, that was something that, that really inspired me to keep moving, and, um, and his ability to communicate the direction to me yeah. uh, was, was obviously a, you know, a, a major help. But I was able then to, to get confidence by doing the work myself. It built my confidence up and I was able uh, then to take the next step. And I think that's kind of the way I've always done this thing, is just take the next step. Yeah. Get confident and take the next step. Oh, that's so cool. You know, my parents bought a brand-new Le Mans 65. I was only seven years old at the time, and I'm sure they're not all like this, but it ended up being a horrible, horrible car. In fact, my dad called it the Le Mans instead of the <laughs> Le Mans because it spent more time in its first year back at the uh, dealership than it did in our driveway, and he finally got, oh, rid, of, got rid of it. It was just... You know, some of some of those cars are just a ghost in them or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe we needed you around to uh, to help figure out what was going on with that. Or, or maybe I ended up with that one. Maybe that was the car. Yeah, was it blue? <laughs> it was gold. Oh, okay, it was gold okay, color. different car. Okay. 
How about seller's remorse? Is there something that you've let go that you really wish you could have back in your garage? Uh, well, I, there was a, uh, a few cars that I sold when I got married. I, I needed to raise some money to, uh, to buy a house and, and start a family. So I, I sold a couple of cars, one being a 33 Willys Coupe, another being a 41 Willys Pickup hmm. uh, that I built as a, as, as a teenager. And I sold those cars off, and, uh, and I think maybe one day it'll, it'll be something that I'm going to have to try okay. to get back if, if yeah. I can. Yeah, well, we all have cars that we've let go, and there's usually a very good reason for it. And the one you just cited is one I hear quite often. <laughs> right. I've done the same with uh, cars to pay for college and so forth for my kids, so I understand. Now, I hope we get to hear about the torpedo here. I always ask my guests about a current project that really has them excited and fired up. Would that be yours right now? Yeah. Well, yeah. we have a couple of projects going on here in the shop right now. One is a, a 1940 Mercury that I'm building for uh, for one of my very close friends, and the car is going to be absolutely spectacular. It, it'll it'll be a custom. That car should be seen sometime this summer. It, it'll it'll be out. And while that one is wrapping up, we're also working really hard on a project that means so much to me. And it's the um, it's the Tucker Torpedo. Mm-hmm. That's the car that Preston Tucker dreamed of, but was never actually able to to create. And that's also the same car that my grandfather saw in a magazine that made him uh, d- decide to become a dealer for the Tucker car and, and a believer in anything that Preston Tucker was doing at the time. Right. So that car that car is different than what most people think of when they think of the Tucker Torpedo kind of a misconception they think that the the 1948 tucker that preston tucker built 50 of is the tucker torpedo but it's that's not accurate mm-hmm. that car is just simply known as the tucker 48 the, the tucker torpedo was never actually made there was lots of drawings and lots of renderings that were broadcasted whether in in, in magazines or uh, or newspapers at that time but the car was never actually made and reason being, it was impractical. George Lawson was the, the uh, designer of that car. Huh? And what he did was um, he put together a plan for Preston Tucker that was mind-blowing in a lot of ways, but maybe a little bit too much. And uh, <laughs> it had a center drive. Yeah, the, the, the uh, interior of the car would be quite cramped for the seating layout. It had steerable fenders. It had very, very cool futuristic uh, elements about it. Mm-hmm. But I think when Tucker really started to analyze making this thing, could it really go into mass production and suit the modern American family uh, well? And I, and I think Preston Tucker decided that the car needed to be toned down a little bit. Yeah. And then he became, uh, I guess, faced with a challenge that George Lawson didn't want to back down. He, he wanted this car to be built just the way he just the way he drew it, just the way he planned it, and wasn't really willing to uh, to make any changes. Hmm. So he then hired Alex Tremulus, and Alex Tremulus is known as the uh, chief designer for the Tucker 48. And uh, then when Preston Tucker hired uh, uh, Alex Tremulus on, then they were able to build a car that was practical enough to get built. Sure. And they, they did build 50 of them, of the Alex Tremulus design. That's the car that, that we all think of when we think of it, Tucker. But unfortunately, other other challenges were were um, responsible looming, for stopping yes, production Yes, looming on, that on car. the horizon. Exactly. Are you going to build the car true to the original design? Aesthetically, yes, because we have the quarter scale model, which lives in the Peterson Museum, 
that George Lawson made back in 1946. We went to the, to the museum, and we took a 3D scanning of that model, and we blew up those dimensions to full size. And my father, who is a machinist, machined out a three-dimensional full-scale wooden buck of the, um, of the Tucker torpedo shape. Mm-hmm. Then my, my duties would be then to hand-form every body panel in aluminum, because Tucker wanted his car to be aluminum. He, uh-huh. he promised a lightweight aluminum body. So now I'm shaping an aluminum body to fit that, that wooden buck. He also promised a flat-six air-cooled engine. So we're using a Porsche flat-six air-cooled engine and a chassis that is basically our own design, but influenced by things that, that maybe Preston Tucker said um, that he would have in his car, but there were no drawings or there was, there was nothing built. So we have to take some artistic license in, um, in, in making some of these items. Now, one thing that, that Tucker did have in, in mind was that center drive, and he wanted to have the speedometer and the gauge cluster in the center of the steering wheel, uh-huh. and he wanted the steering wheel to move around so that the gauge cluster w- would remain stationary. Of course, he never made this, so when we decided that we wanted to make the car, Sean Tucker, who is Preston Tucker's great-grandson, he's an automotive engineer, and he took on that project. We said, okay, well, we know what Tucker wanted it to look like. He just didn't make it work. So now it's up to us to make it work. So Sean Tucker then took his SolidWorks three-dimensional CAD work and started to design a steering system that does not have a steering column. It's only a pod that would hang down from, like, the windshield area. So there's no shaft, no steering column shaft running down, like, between your feet or anything. It's just wide open. Wow. So Sean was able then to take his great-grandfather's idea and turn it into a reality. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's done that. So that is, um, that is uh, under work, uh, underway now. Wow. Sounds like it's going to be absolutely amazing. Do you have an, an end date when the car will be finished? Uh, we hope to have it at Amelia Island, uh, 2016. Wonderful. Gosh, sounds fantastic. I can't wait. I can't wait. Just incredible. I've Googled the Tucker Torpedo and looked at the sketches and drawings. Very unique car, for sure. Very, yes. very different. Yeah. You see why they call it a torpedo. <laughs> right. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Rob. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I probably would be a Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought you'd say that. Is that, yes. is that because of the family history? Is that why you're, you've got to be a Tucker? Yeah, well, that and, and the fact that it's a, a, it's a bit different, and it's okay with that. It's not trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. It's trying to, to, um, to, to be something unique and for a good reason, and I believe in that philosophy, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that. Great. So I would say, uh, yes, that's probably the closest description that I could give you. Wonderful. I was fortunate enough to get to spend a whole day with a Tucker, the one that belongs to the LeMay Museum. I got to photograph that car and climb all through it. And, uh, yeah, very interesting car in so many respects. Uh, I had a whole nother level of admiration for Preston Tucker after spending a day crawling around that vehicle. Really cool. We're about to enter the last lap. But before we do, here's a word from our sponsor and Cars Yacht guest, Dwight Knowlton. Carpe Viem. Seize the road. It's the motto at carpegear.com where you'll find The Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an inspirational award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kids' car book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves The Little Red Racing Car. 
Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Diem brand, where you can find his book, shirts, and more that embrace his Seize the Road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Diem at carpegear.com. And be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. All right, Rob, we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and I'm going to ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't rush through anything because none, none of the stuff happens fast. <laughs> very good advice, especially when you're building custom cars and doing so many things new. Fantastic. Would that one have come from your dad, you think? Uh, probably. Yeah, yes. probably. Sounds like it. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Uh, yes, balance in life. I, I work hard. When I'm here at work, I work 100%. Um, I'm not late, and I don't leave early. I don't mix uh, business and, and pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm not here at my shop to socialize. I am here to, um, to produce. But then in other parts of my life, I don't bring my work home. I, uh, I make sure that I spend quality family time with the family, and I, I, I keep a, a well-balanced time management. Perfect. Love it. Do you have a resource that you would like to share with the Car Chat listeners that you're really fond of? Maybe a website or a blog? Well, i I got I, I to say, uh, Facebook and social networking has really been a source for meeting, meeting people. I have met so many people that are connected to the Tucker world that I wouldn't have found or, or that where they found me um, through things like, uh, like, like Facebook and Instagram. It's really been a, a wonderful resource for us. And one person in particular that we found is Steve Tremulus. Steve Tremulus is nephew of Alex Tremulus, mm. Preston Tucker's chief designer. And um, he contacted us at one point and revealed to me that he was – the current owner of the Gyronaut X1. Do you know what the Gyronaut X1 is? No, I don't. What that, is that? Okay, that is the world's fastest motorcycle. Now, you got to oh, realize when, okay. yes, when George Lawson, when, when he handed the, the reins over to, to Alex Tremulous to start designing the Tucker, uh, that, that job ended quickly. So then he went on to, uh, to do other things like design work for Ford Motor Company and Chrysler and, and all that. <laughs> then after he retired in the 60s, he decided to go land speed racing. Wow. So for Bonneville, him and Bob LePan built what became the world's fastest motorcycle, the Gyronaut X1. And uh, it was Triumph-powered, and they ran it between 1963 and 1970, and it held records at uh, nearly 300 miles per hour. Oh, my gosh. And, and it was crashed in 1970 uh, beyond repair. Wow. So the carcass remained somewhere in Michigan for all these years. So we met... Steve Tremulous through uh, through Facebook, and he told me that he owned the, the remains of the Gyronaut X1, uh-huh. and um, so then I offered to get involved in its re- uh, restoration. So he sent it from California to New Jersey, and we did a full restoration and made it look exactly the way it did back in 1965, and um, finished it for Pebble Beach, and um, so that was one really awesome connection that we made and, and there are many like that that we've made from social networking yeah they're wonderful the people you can uh, 
can bump into just like I believe that's how I found you. So <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you never know. It's fantastic. And we speaking yeah. of land speed records, we had Danny Thompson, Mickey Thompson's son on a couple of weeks ago and yeah. uh, how he's bringing the Challenger 2 back and running that is fantastic. It's great. Right. How about books? Is there one book in particular you think the Cars Yow listeners would really enjoy? Uh, yes, The um, Indomitable Tin Goose. That is a book on the the inside history of Preston Tucker and all of his challenges, and and uh, and it was written by by uh, someone on, on the inside. And I recommend any uh, that book to anyone who's interested in in uh, in a Tucker history. Awesome. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Rob has shared with us today at slash Rob Ida. All right, Rob, we're coming up to the checkered flag here, and this last question could be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like, what would that one vehicle be and why? That one vehicle that I just feel like I have to have, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't exist. <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, was another, it was another Tucker concept, uh-huh. and I hope that it's in my future. It's the Tucker Carioca, and the cool part about the Carioca is that after Tucker had a broken heart from, from the loss of his company. Mm-hmm. He moved to Brazil, and he decided that he was going to take another stab at building a car. So he designed uh, the Tucker Carioca, and it was an open-wheeled, cycle-fender, like a little roadster. And um, imagine like, like a Plymouth Prowler, but in, in the early 1950s. Okay. So with a flat four-cylinder rear engine and, and a, a two-seater with a removable hardtop and, and a split windshield. Very, very cool-looking car. Yeah. Quite a few drawings exist, but the car never did. And unfortunately, Preston Tucker died of lung cancer in 1956, so he was never able to build that car either. Yeah. And that, I feel, I need to have at some point in my life. I need, well, to, 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 make, I need to make that car. Yeah, definitely. And you're the first guest here on Cars, yeah, out of almost 200 people here now that has picked a car that doesn't exist, but you could build it. So yeah. I can see what's <laughs> going to happen. I'm going to have to commission you to build your dream car. There you go. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, that sounds like a fun project for sure. Rob, you have taken me on a great ride today, and I knew you would. And I want to thank you, and I've enjoyed your story so much. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Tucker Carioca? Well, something I'd, I'd like to tell people, you know, you can you can find your own way. It doesn't have to be the, the uh, textbook approach. To success, you don't have to maybe go out and, and buy something that, that all the cool kids have. You can make it. You can dream it, and you can make it, and you can learn how to do it on your own. And there's lots of resources out there, and there are lots of ways out there for, for one person to be able to, to achieve uh, something that, that most people can only dream of. But it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. But don't give up. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic inspiration. Wonderful. Listeners, again, you can find links to everything on Rob's show notes page at carsyad.com slash Rob Ida. Rob, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences and your journey with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!